Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we are getting into the world of mobility um, in South Africa, particularly the gig economy and ride sharing, uh, focusing specifically on Uber because they are celebrating 10 years in Mzansi, 10 years in the South African market. They started operating back um, in 2013, and since then, uh, they have grown you know to operating in about 30 cities in the country and um, you know we hear that over a million people make use of their service every single year so uh, this will be my discussion um, you know with uh, the team and uh, we're just going to be understanding you know a little bit you know around uh, some of the things uh, that they are doing Uh, we are joined we're going to be talking to Kahiso uh, Kaole who is the general manager for Uber, the sub-Saharan Africa, as well as uh, Nakampe Molewa, who is the general manager of Uber Eats for sub-Saharan Africa. Here's that conversation. This is probably, you know, something you guys spoke about quite at length, you know, through your various presentations. Uh, but maybe I'm just going to start with Kakiso on this one to just say 10 years is a long time, you know, to be in a market. And um, one of the things that you guys spent a long time doing was reflecting on the 10 years. But maybe you could talk to us about what does it mean to operate? Um, because when Uber came in, it was a it was a startup in 2013, essentially in South Africa, but now it's a proper scale business, right? What what does that mean in your universe? Well, I think for us, it still feels like a startup in, in many essence, you know, uh, new categories that we, you know, uh, bring into market. It still feels like we still scratching at, the, uh, you know, at the surface of, you know, the potential of the platform, the potential of um, you know, the, the impact and services that you can bring into market. Uh, but yeah, you know, looking at 10 years, uh, sometimes you can, I guess, sometimes underestimate what ha- what can happen in 10 years. Um, and generally, you know, you look back from, you know, the first trip that happened, uh, I think it was Mark Fish uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a silver Mercedes uh, to what you have now. I think the business is... Uh, truly transformed you know yeah. we we've gone from uh, a niche player as well you know to uh really cementing up you know our small position in the broader transport cate- uh transport category but um uh, i'm really buoyed by just how we've uh, progressed and looked at innovating and growing the platform uh in south africa you know whether it's uh, trying to lead on safety you know uh trying to make sure that we we bring use cases that are relevant for the South African uh, demo for demographic and mm. you know different customer segments. Um, I think it's it's something that you know makes those ten years fly by. I think <laughs> a lot of people uh, can think back to when they first saw uh, Uber, and if you tell them ten years, they're like, "Whoa, it's really been that long." Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's really uh, been fairly short and really in the beginning of our journey as a company locally and globally. Mm. Okay. So with that in mind, uh, I want to bring in, uh, you know, Nakampe here and just get a sense of, you know, there's a broad range of 
products that you guys have. Uh, one of the things I know I've always been interested in is the evolution of the business, right? Um, Kagiso just mentioned, you know, what that has meant, but specifically for Uber Eats. One of the things that I wonder about is, is Uber Eats still mainly delivering food, right? Because you guys are delivering a whole bunch of things, right? In, in the pie of things, right? But is it still the food that drives Uber Eats? Or is it the groceries? Is it, you know, there's all these other things that you guys are doing, including being able to have businesses and all of that stuff. When people think about us, they think it's, uh, I mean, even on our names, I think is also a misnomer right now, yeah. because Uber Eats and then they automatically assume something to consume, which is food, right? Um, and yes, that has been a mainstay of our business. It continues to be the mainstay of our business because that's where our roots are, yeah. right? Uh, the, 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 the restaurant and food industry continues to be very important to our business. Yeah. Uh, just as in the economy, in the main, it continues to be a huge sector. Mm -hmm. So there's no way that we're going to ignore that. And in fact, we are going to double down on it, yeah. make sure that we grow it. Uh, and and especially in the SMB sector, yeah. uh, small micro businesses. So these are the small moms and pops uh, restaurants, the the local favorites that will that 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 you'll just get in certain neighborhoods. To make sure that those are brought onto the platform, they're fully participating, and hopefully giving them just uh, the same sort of airtime, prominence, advertising, promotions, like we do with our big branded partners, yeah. right? International. So for sure, we are going to densify and make sure that we grow that business uh, absolutely. But that being said, is that again, there are lots of use cases for this platform. Yeah. And essentially, the broadest way to think about it is that uh, can something be moved from A to B? Yeah. And if it can, we could potentially do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for us, uh, instead, instead of kind of like looking at ourselves as Uber Eats per se, we are now Uber Delivery because okay. that is how we now start to think and expand the line. So a logistics platform as opposed Absolutely. To so for us, it's for the easiest, the, 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 the easiest way to explain it, like, is to think about a mall for us. Um, and in a mall, you have to have various shops selling various items, right? Um, so for example, malls would have food courts, which are pretty prominent. Yeah. They'll be uh, dispensing and selling food. That's what we do. We take that food and we deliver it. But if you think about a mall, there's other things that a mall will be doing. Uh, like I said, there would be pharmacy, there would be apparel, there would be huge anchor tenants who are your grocery majors, uh, uh, your grocery, grocery businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And again, if we start to think about those lines of business, alcohol is also massive. Can we deliver those? Can we fulfill our smart delivery for those? And absolutely yes. And this is where we are going. Uh, definitely, and we call those new verticals, right? Yeah. This is a growing part of our business. It's going to continue to grow at a tremendous, tremendous pace. And people tend to think, oh, groceries are so 
Can I tell you which is the most common, one of the most common things that people order off yeah. our platform? Ice. Ice. Okay, I can, I can see that. <laughs> I can see Simple that. Simple thing. Like, you know, something that you would have had to kind of run out every single time, go get it or phone a friend, hey, bring, stop by the garage and find it. Again, simple use case, but it tells you the power of the platform that if we start to think in a very, very everyday use, what is it that people are using every single day? What is it that they need? What is it that people step out of their houses to go fetch, deliver, buy? And those are the things that we are targeting. Okay. I'm going to follow up here. And, you know, maybe Kagiso can also give his thoughts. Um, because we are looking at logistics, mobility, e-commerce enablers, and all of that stuff, uh, there's no doubt that in our world, the entry of Amazon is a big thing. I'm not going to ask you about Amazon per se, but rather a question about for someone who wants to participate in the e-commerce world, what provides better economics at the moment? Going out, because we've seen different models. I think the checkers guys have decided we'll go and build our own logistics network, whereas others will go and on this platform, we've had the likes of Pickup, which was recently bought by Karoo. They do on-demand for businesses. Um, you guys are also in that space. So... Is it better to go out and acquire your own 10,000 drivers, motorcycles, and have your own back-end logistics system? Or is it easier to come in and plug into, you know, the likes of an Uber to, you know, enable an e-commerce type of offering in South Africa? So that's, that, that's a classic how long is a piece of string question, like literally, right? Because your business model depends on the type of business that you run so so for example you you, you use like a checkers um, checkers are all vertically integrated yeah. they have a store base that is several probably thousands big in south africa yeah. big huge cust huge customer base um a huge customer base in south africa um so it's a captive market for them so if ShopRite wanted to, it probably makes sense for ShopRite uh, checkers to have its own the delivery business fully owned retail, where they own everything, all the assets, the drivers, and so it probably makes sense, right? And I'm not saying it, that's the thing, but if I look at it from outside, it probably makes sense. They've got a captive, they've got a captive audit. But if you're running an SMB, uh, if you're running an SMB, you're doing probably a thousand deliveries a month. Would you want to own those assets? <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Maybe it makes sense to outsource, outsource, outsource those, those assets. Um, and that's why I say this is a very dynamic conversation because there isn't a clear cut answer to say, yeah, this model is the best or this model doesn't work. It's all very contextual. People do need to sit, think about their businesses, yeah. what they want out of their businesses. So, for example, Direct came out of that. Mm -hmm. We know that there are certain merchants, there are certain restaurants mm -hmm. that have already set up their own delivery apps. Yeah. We know that. We know that some of those are local favorites. Mm -hmm. So that customer base loves that merchant or that restaurant so much that is the only thing that they're going to order from. They're not going to come to Uber Eats. They're not going to come to other competitors. Yeah, we know. Yeah. We know. 
And that's why we got something like a direct product where we say, okay, listen, we're not going to interfere with that. We know you guys are running a certain brand. You're looking at a certain experience. You've got a loyal customer base and so on. But the way we participate is to say, hey, listen, maybe you guys don't worry yourself about investing in lots of bikes that are going to be sitting idle for, for part of the day because you're paying for them, whether you're using them or not. Let's take that worry off your hands and let's deliver, right? Again, very, very different business model, but again, uh, all aimed at fulfilling the same thing, last mile delivery, and how you choose to fulfill it, whether you own, you don't own, you contract, you don't contract, very, very contextual. Okay. So anything to add to that? Yeah, and I think uh, uh, to Naki's point, you know, I've come across, you know, a lot of uh, public sector, you know, departments, uh, companies also that want to go and rebuild everything from scratch. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes the the lure of uh, building it for yourself um, sometimes blinds you to the actual work and costs of actually maintaining and continue to innovate you know like what we the the app that we have today the platform we have today it cannot be the same next year yeah you know the amount of r d innovation change that needs to happen to actually stay abreast yeah. of you know um new entrants um you know innovation from incumbents as well is also a big consideration mm -hmm. and one of the things i always employ is to say hey why build why build um, everything when you can focus on um, perfecting certain bits of it? Yeah. And that's where, as a platform, you know, uh, I look at our Uber for Business category. You know, if you have, again, if, if there's a fleet of vehicles that you have, uh, rather come and talk to us. You know, like um, I, I look at use cases like, for example, the police, uh, having to pick up police from point to point. You know, we do this for different corporates where we can move staff um, utilizing, you know, the existing fleet, but optimizing it for um, using our platform as well. So it's really, as much as, you know, I think it, it is, uh, how long is a piece of string? Um, there's really real considerations, especially with the rapid pace of change yeah. uh, in the world today. Okay. Um, it's un because we're reflecting quite a bit on Uber's time in, uh, in South Africa over the last 10 years, um, I think it's only fair you know, that we spare a little bit of time, you know, uh, around some of the public discourse. You know, people have a lot of negative things to say. Um, and whether it's a big portion, small portion, um, wanted to gauge, you know, I'm, you know, I'm keen to get both your senses on. I guess my question is just more about um, when the negativity comes, is that a do you see it as a fair representation because there's tends to be arguments you know around the fact that if you have let's say a base of a hundred thousand and a hundred are let's say striking or complaining is that fair to say that drivers are not well or if you have customers a small base of customers yeah so just uh trying keen to get your sense of how you i guess view the perception piece um, of Uber in South Africa? Yeah, so I think from a, just broadly, from a brand perspective, you know, we uh, closely monitor, you know, the 
broader trends, where we're sitting, and consumer preference is going up year on year. Uh, we continue to uh, delight consumers in uh, very specific things, you know, like whether it's around safety, whether it's around reliability, you know, affordability, those kind of things. We continue to improve uh, uh, year on year, and I think that's 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 an important you know, view to always maintain. But we're also not shy of fixing problems as they arise. I think yeah. as a business, we continue to scale. And, you know, I, I, I think back of like, you know, Lean Six Sigma, you know, one in a million. And that's something that happens to us. One in a million things can happen to us several times a week, you know? And that's the, that's, that's the, I think the, the joys and the pains of also scaling out and, delivering more services to more people. Mm. Um, again, it's a challenge we take head on. And, um, you know, even our global CEO has been very open about things that, you know, he likes, doesn't like, I'm very open, I think Naki is the same, yeah. about specific use cases, you know. Um, for example, you know, I, I use our support as well, you know, <laughs> to resolve <laughs> anything that might come up. Yeah. And it's just a way, you know, to make sure that we stay close um, from a, an engagement perspective. You know, we, we've, uh, we've really made great strides in terms of improving our engagement and there's still so much that we still need to do uh, to really get closer to uh, the earners who rely on the platform, um, uh, you know, some of the issues. And part of that also is also how do we manage change, you know, mm -hmm. as a rapidly transforming uh, platform, uh, we do need to uh, be masters of change as well. And sometimes, it, you know, the way things are comfortable and fine, but to be able to deliver, you know, more value back to uh, consumers on both sides of the marketplace, whether it's drivers and couriers and riders and eaters on the other side, we do need to continue to evolve and manage that change. So, um, you know, for us, uh, it's, it's a company built on ratings and being aware of issues. And um, we continue to be very trip obsessed, trip obsessed, you know, looking at the details of single trips as well as the big trends uh, that are happening. That are out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, look, for me, for, for me, it's about pragmatism, right? And I think we are operating a company that's a very nascent technology. Yeah. By about oh, I mean, ten years in South Africa is uh, really nothing, right? Uh, still the um, and because it's such a new dawn industry. It's going to mean a couple of things to the market. Yeah. First, it's going to mean extreme change. Um, and that is extreme change for everybody involved, whether it's your users, it's partners, it's going to be government and regulators. Change is coming, for sure, for, for sure. And then the other thing that it potentially means that it's also disruptive. Uh, you're going to enter certain segments of the economy or the market that used to function in X way. Yes. And you're coming in with this really these, uh, these really disruptive processes that are going to change that from X to X plus Y. Um, so for me, expect that descent. And I think we should learn to, we shouldn't frown and be scared of it, right? That people are going to come in and complain. Expect it. I think the key unlocker to, to having and surviving for 10 years as long as you are, and then I think we're going to survive for another 100, mm -hmm. is how you deal with those 
how you deal with those changes, how you deal with the communication and feedback that you're given. Yeah. Part of this innovation that uh, I mean, we just, we don't sit there as a company and like, hey, we got a bright idea, let's go. Yeah. Innovate, let's fix. We listen. Part of that, the, part of those innovations are driven by the feedback, yeah. by discontent from various parts of society. Say we're not happy about X, Y, and Z, and we sit and we're like, okay, here's a problem. How do we fix it? How do we improve? We fix it, yeah. and then suddenly we call it innovation, right? And that's how innovate. That, that, that's how innovation innovation is is driven. The second part of it, there's a company, guys. We don't have the monopoly on truth. And we know it. We don't have the monopoly on truth. We're not saying we're 100% wrong, 100% right in everything that we do, 100% right. For sure, when we put products out in the market, we have a firm opinion and a firm point of view that this is how it's going to turn out. But there are unintended consequences where you sit and you think, ah, hell. I didn't know this was going to this was going to be there. Now the measure of a company like this, and the reason why I think we're gonna stay, uh, you can't be hard headed. Can't be like, yeah, this is how we thought about it. This is how it's gonna be. The ability to remain flexible to changing times, to feedback, is what makes us. I think that's what gives us a complete edge over our customers. For me, I think it's a key competitor. You hear a problem. You adapt, you adapt, you change. We tap dance differently. We go back to the drawing board. Ah, man, this doesn't work. Or it didn't work as how we expected it to be, right? So we adapt because we know we don't own the monopoly on truth. And that truth has to come from our vital, uh, vital partners. And that's the eaters, that's, that's, that's your consumers, like I said, your key partners, the regulators, and so on. And you have to find that sweet spot. Can't ignore that. You have to find that sweet spot that kind of like makes everybody happy-ish. You're not going to make everybody completely happy, but you've got to make everybody happy-ish so that we can all coexist. I'm reminded quite a bit about uh, 2021. Uh, I don't watch soccer, but I follow quite a bit the business behind soccer. And when uh, discussions were being had about the Super League, right? The what you call this, the the proposal around uh, a Super League, I remember that disruption was huge. You know that fight between UEFA and the big uh, the big clubs and FIFA as well, right? Any um, disruption. You know, brings with it, you know, some uh, some manner of tension, and I think it's always good, you know, to at least acknowledge the fact that things aren't always going to be, um, you know, smooth. Gentlemen, before I let you go, two things on my side. Firstly, uh, we've been watching technology moving towards annuity revenues for a couple of years now. We're used to it in software, but on this platform, we've been talking to a bunch of people the likes of Flex Club and Planet 42 that are doing uh, cars as a, a cars uh, subscriptions for cars. Um, we've got all types of things that are moving into subscriptions. Uber One is a bet on the subscription model in, in essence, right? What, t- take me to the thinking, like what is the, <laughs> what is the rationale? And when I say rationale, 
what what I'm trying to get at is what is a person what do you think is what do you think a person actually subscribes for is it the convenience is it the service is it the bundle of services that because you mentioned the fact that they will be partnering with x or partnering with y is it those types of things that a person is coming for right uh yeah I, i'm just keen to get that sense it's the bigger picture that i'm that that i'm what you call this that i'm wondering about so and i'm going to talk about uber specific uh, yeah. uber specifically yeah. in the past we've had two major line of businesses in uber which is the right side yeah. and which is the eat side and tradition it, in the past you know years past probably in the last two years or three years we started to think about this really but past we used to run them as two fairly independent businesses right uh, almost like each one of them has got its own specific customer base which is different and so on now for us that doesn't make sense because if you have a if you have this platform which is common to both of us It's not like we're running two separate technology stacks and so on. Common platform, common customer base, right? Um, then how do you service this thing? How do you service this thing or this, uh, or this base uh, effectively? You can't do this two different. Uh, you can't do this two different businesses. Um, we know that there are customers on our platform which use one line of business and maybe not another. So you may have somebody who takes an Uber and goes from place A to B, but doesn't necessarily place an order to, 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 to order food. We know. So just on our platform alone, we know there's opportunity yeah. for both sides of the business to tap into each other. Right? How? But in order to get, number one, that, that customer to do that, you need to incentivize it. And this is where this Uber One plat uh, this Uber One membership product becomes so powerful, right? Because it does give you the ability to incentivize both sets by giving them um, by giving them almost the same sort of in fact, the, in fact the same sort of incentives in order to use eats in order to use. So it, it is a very very good recruiting tool just on our platforms. Number one, just on our platform. Number two, we know that outside of the platform, there's a bigger market out there. There's a much, much bigger market there that we're not tapping. Effectively, how do you, how do you tap that market, right? And for Gakhisa, maybe different. Like he talked about the airport. Big, big, big use case for us. Again, how do you take that airport user, for example, and make sure that you're locking him in and making sure that he uses you as a service provider, all right? Well, Uh, going forward, right? Not considering. For myself, families, like right? mothers are key here. You got mothers, people are busy. So you got people who are ordering consistently on Uber to say, listen, I need meals, I need this, I need that, I need that. I'm not going to be home, the other kids fed, and so on and so on and so on. Again, how do you make it worthwhile to make sure that you're locking in that, that sort of, that, that, that sort of consumer? And again, the way you do that is you make sure that you tailor make something that's going to reward them 
for, 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 for their loyalty. That's going to drive value for them, uh, for, 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 for their loyalty. And I think that's what Uber One then again brings back and comes into its own because again, we're not just, unlike other subscriptions, we're not just rewarding you for one product. If you look at our platform, we are running what? Multiple products. All at the same time. Yeah. All at the same time. And you got one membership that's cutting across every single one of those products on the, on the platform. Name me another. Uh, name me another. Uh, 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 name me another company that could do that. Uh, uh, you know, I'm listening. But it's very rare. So this power to harness that sort of uh, making sure that you're rewarding consistently. Loyalty. Uh, you're rewarding people for joining you, not just loyalty, those, those who choose and act to join you and you're making sure that you're tailor making the awards to do that across various products. Yeah. I think that's what sets us apart and that's why I love it. Okay. Yeah, no, that one is definitely one I'm going to be watching and what I'll be waiting for because I'm a numbers person is what the numbers will be, um, you know, down the line, adoption and, and you know, all of that. And then the last thing you asked about subscription. One of our major competitors in in in, uh, in the U.S. Am I allowed to mention names? No. Okay. Grubhub. Grubhub is a very interesting test case. Grubhub was nowhere. I mean, probably lingering two years ago, under twenty percent share of the U.S. market. Grubhub then goes into partnership with Chase Manhattan Bank. And they're going to partnership using the Chase card, which is ubiquitous and everywhere. Yeah. And the Chase card sign on and they get, they make all of, they tailor make all of these unique experiences for, for, for Chase customers, right? Um, on rides, on eats, but tailoring it to them and nobody else to drive it. They managed to gain, they are 53%. Of the market. Yeah. Now, and that just gives you the power, like really, like if you've got a really good membership product and you can identify strategic partnerships, partnerships that matter to your consumer base, you have this transformative, you have this transformative power to change the business completely. Completely, right? Uh, completely. So GrabUp is a very, very good test case. So those strategic partners, so as we think, yeah, we've launched this, I think, a really great product. Um, if you go on Uber One now, you can see every time you order, every time you take, a, you know, you, you, you take an Uber, you can see how much you're saving. And you can see cumulatively this month you've saved this much because it's important to you. To, yes, yes. But if you've got that and then you pair it up with a really good strategic partner and it's a really good strategic fit, ah, uh, then you got a hell of a business. Yeah, I, I've been watching Kagiso just smiling this entire time and just nodding his head. So, yeah, no, no, we're clearly not going to And I think already um, we've, seen, we've seen the take up. It's incredible. You know, I always look at how much I've saved each month. And honestly, like, uh, this is one membership that pays for itself very, very quickly. So, I do encourage uh, everyone to go check it out as well. I think we're still running. A month free trial so uh, there's there's no harm in signing up and but what we've seen is that no one wants to 
uh, cancel it once you know once we move forward. So the, the value prop is very clear, um, and it's, it's it's really exciting and it leverages the power of this platform, which is a ton of use cases, a ton of different everyday things that you can utilize. So it doesn't matter if you're just a eater. There's benefits for you. If you're just a writer, there's benefits for you. If you want to do both, even better. So, yeah, really keen to see uh, uh, the growth of Uber One as well. Yeah. All right. I think maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go try it uh, because one of the things that I, you know, I, I'm giving thanks for is due. The marketing campaign has been very interesting. I've been watching a lot of the ads, they come up because I mainly watch YouTube. And they always come up on you. There's the boxing one. There's the breakup. Yes. There's the, <laughs> the Uber like, one. Yeah. Yes, there's also the Uber ones one. And like, okay, cool. This this looks interesting. That's why I had such a curiosity to be like, what are these guys doing? Like, what 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 are they actually selling? So I'm glad that you've articulated so, so it. Speaking but, of those, we just launched. We just launched this week uh, our new verticals ads. Yeah which are very short for South Africa. They're made in South Africa for the South African market. Yeah. Now starting to communicate the fact that we sell other goods, yeah. not just food, not just, uh, uh, yeah, not, just uh, not just food, but we are Uber kind of like delivery. Okay. And yeah, watch out for those ads because I think they're really good as well. All right, cool. Kagiso, I'm going to give you the last word on today's discussion. Mobility uh, and uh, electric mobility in particular, something that you guys have taken a big bet on. What I'm keen about is uh, one of the things that I like to do is to draw parallels, you know, between different things. And uh, you you wonder if the causation and uh, what you call this, uh, the causation and action in one, you know, particular use case is going to be the same as in another. I cover telecoms, right? Batteries. The the vandalism that is happening at network tower sites and the batteries and that security matter, that thing is huge. Uh, and I'm just wondering if this is on Uber's radar when it comes to mobility or is the, what do you call this, is the risk, you know, perhaps not something that's even worth exploring when it comes to mobility? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a factor that we've thought about. Uh, we've built together, even with our launch partners. Um, you know, so in terms of uh, security, I think you'd have seen even the swap station itself in terms of the cameras, the locations we've selected are really, you know, thinking about uh, some of those challenges. But that's not going to stop us. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I think we, 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 we can definitely put our heads together uh, we can partner with law enforcement, uh, you know, find really clever solutions, tech-based solutions to be able to uh, curb a lot of that. You know, some of the innovation within even the batteries that are utilized on these bikes, you know, it's, it's, it's really proprietary as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's about, you know, the, the, the battery can become, is actually useless outside of certain, you know, oh. uh, outside of a specific use. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of things that, again, you leverage global know-how, but apply it to, 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 to South Africa. You know, and a very uh, funny story we always share with, um, uh, you know, our launch partners is, uh, I remember the first time I saw this tech uh, being demoed, 
and the same day that they unpacked, a battery went missing. Ah. And you know, we were able to retrieve this is that. Why we're the exactly, <laughs> but we were able to retrieve that as well. So um, a lot of consideration is built on that. And um, I think even as Naki was saying, you know, it's we're not resting on our laurels and saying we've got every single scenario figured out. <laughs> I think we're gonna uh, pivot and you know, uh, you know. Uh, fix things, innovate on certain things as um, situations arrive. But I, I really don't believe that, you know, if even using the telecoms example, just because there's theft on batteries, we give up on having good mm -hmm. signal. I think you, you figure out how to solve the issue going forward. So there's one side, again, uh, working with the community that you're in. And there's another side as well to innovate and find ways to deter and um, uh, you know, minimize the impact of such behavior. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for this uh, charging tech, you know, to be brought into the hands of ordinary South Africans. Uh, this is really revolutionary, the smart swapping station. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's how we end off. It was really great talking to uh, Nakampe as well as Kagiso from uh, Uber. And uh, yes? And, ju and just a correction, the competitor is DoorDash, not Door GrabHub. DoorDash. We've got the, the partnership with Chase in the US, yeah. All right, cool. So that's where we end off. It has been a really great uh, session uh, with the two gentlemen, uh, 10 years in South Africa, and just reflecting on what that has actually meant. Um, what's been most interesting to see is the layering of different services on top of what was essentially a mobility platform. And um, the fact that we're articulating the fact that there is a logistics piece, there is a mobility piece, I would actually go a little a step further, right? I'm not in marketing, but but if we're going to throw labels on things, um, I think it would be safe to say that Uber finds itself as an Internet of Things or IoT company, um, you know, going forward. Uh, it will be interesting to see what other products that they're going to, um, you know, layer on top of that. And also, like I said, the subscription, the number, the types of things that are now have a subscription. You know, I'm actually thinking that perhaps Mudiwa can be a subscription on his own, you know, um, yeah, surely there must be a business model um, you know for something like that because subscriptions have worked for a number of businesses you know very well particularly uh, your technology and software businesses but we've seen some struggles from some of the more legacy players you know particularly um, in in media I'm not shy to say that uh, my industry uh, was probably quite slow on uh, the adoption of uh, subscriptions so uh, we it's great to see it working um, you know, in other spheres. So that's it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.